Hi, everyone, and welcome to the inaugural Penn Athletics Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Bonner. Today, we are joined by the T. Gibbs Kane Jr. Wharton 69 Director of Athletics and Recreation, Alana Shanahan. Alana, welcome to the first podcast. Why, thank you, Kevin, for having me. It's a pleasure to be the inaugural uh, podcaster. <laughs> so you've been in the big chair 19, 20 months uh, at your alma mater. Overall reflections, what's it been like? Well, needless to say, it has obviously been wonderful to be back. It's a place that I care deeply about and um, just obviously to reconnect with the professionals, the campus, and obviously to meet a new crop of student athletes. It's just incredibly heartwarming across um you know, across multiple perspectives. So um, it's, 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 it's been a lot of fun. I do feel like um, even though the job is challenging, that um, it's everything that uh, I imagined it would be in coming back. And it, it's, uh, it's challenging, but fulfilling in so many important ways. So excited to be here 19 months in. Awesome. Awesome. So a lot of successes. Um, and we're going to try to keep this to a, a short podcast. We could list this for an hour, but what are some of the biggest successes you would say? to say just, um, you know, now a bit past the year and a half mark, you know, I'm really pleased that I think we're making meaningful strides to respond to what our student athletes are most interested in and what our student athletes feel is most important to their development um, as students, as athletes, as, as people. And I think where you see some specific examples, um, really, in my first couple of months on the job, I spent a lot of time talking with, with team leaders and, and student athlete leaders, just trying to get a sense of where they felt we might be failing them, where they felt we could make more meaningful investment. And the two areas that they consistently spoke of through those conversations and through some survey feedback uh, was nutrition and mental health. And I think that really has been a significant focus of my first year and a half. And you know, I think one of the early signature wins was uh, was negotiating the inclusion of an athletic psychologist within DRIA. And I think our ability to um, partner with the university to see the value in having an embedded professional sitting in athletics, um, the partnership with Wellness at Penn to make that happen, and obviously the commitment of our donor base and their philanthropy that allowed us to move that position forward. Um, that was just kind of so satisfying on multiple levels. And the response of our student athletes to that new service has been really remarkable. And it's not just the individual counseling appointments, but it's the group sessions. It's the constant presence of our athletic psychologist. And it's also the resource that she provides to our coaching staffs as far as how you build a culture of mental health within the context of your team. And I really do think that's the path forward. Um, you know, we could sadly probably do, um, you know, a multitude of individual appointments until the end of time. But I think the more that we can train our coaches and our student leaders as to how to create a climate and culture of mental health within their teams will really be the most meaningful path forward. So I would say mental health, um, definitely um, something we focused on early and we've seen some success. And then the other big one was really this concept of nutrition and our student athletes feeling as though they needed greater support to ensure that they their bodies were fueled for performance. And in many respects, athletic and academic performance to ensure that they could bring the best of themselves to their everyday experiences. So this is an area where you know, we've, we've, we've stepped, we've stepped in, um, maybe just a toe at this point with our chocolate milk initiative with trying to ensure that, uh, our athletes have the protein that they're needing as far as refueling after lifting sessions. But I think, again, this is just sort of one step forward and a much larger and ambitious plan 
to provide daily nutrition that both um, provides the opportunity for athletes to um, to grab some nutritious snacks given sometimes the chaotic nature of their schedules, you know, this grab and go concept where they can fuel their bodies with something healthy on limited time is really important. I think this is um, an important initiative for some of our students. Um, you don't always have the funding necessary to keep up with their caloric requirements. So, you know, providing some options for students um, for some additional nutrition at no cost is, is important. Um, and again, I think just the flexibility of having this nutrition in spaces and at times where they need it, whether that's post-practice, pre-practice, prior to competition. So exciting about excited about really building this out. Now, as much as I, I love this initiative, is it, it is an expensive one. So at this point, you know, ensuring our focus is on philanthropy and institutional investment, ensuring that we can sustain such an operation because, um, you know, we believe it's important, but we also appreciate it's costly. But I would say those two um, are significant strides and strides that directly relate to what our student athletes were most interested in. So good segue into our next question, talking about philanthropy, one of your early charges, uh, women's fundraising initiative, Power the Next 100, which launched in the fall. Um, how can that really elevate the experience of our, our student athletes and especially our female student athletes? So not surprisingly, I'm excited about this. And I just think it's 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 the right time. And I, I really feel it needs to happen. And I want to I want to caveat it by saying um, we invest meaningfully in our men and women right now. But where there's significant discrepancy is the amount of funding that has been earmarked for men over time through endowments, through people who have been incredibly generous, who have set up endowments for whether it's men's golf or men's heavyweight rowing, um, because it was their personal experience. And, and that's wonderful and we're incredibly thankful to have that financial foundation for endowments that were set up you know, over the course of the last 100 years. The challenge to that is they were predominantly supporting our men. And my focus at this point is to provide the women that same security for all time and that opportunity to ideally um, elevate their experiences and the opportunities that can be presented. And in reality, the more that we can elevate the funding behind the both and both men and the women, that's that's end game and that's you know that's what we all aspire to see. But because there's significant differentials between endowment earmarked for men and endowment earmarked for women, I'd really love to see those numbers come more in line. And hence this initiative and hence this being really the first time in the history of the athletic department that we've had a department-wide initiative focused on women's athletics. And I just, um, to ensure the next 100 years of women's athletics is as successful and as robust as the first 100, I feel that, um, you know, it's my responsibility to grow endowment on the women's side and ensure that they'll just always have the opportunities that uh, that they have today and, and ideally have ones that, e that are even more compelling. So excited and excited about the matching proposal we've put in place. You know, we're attempting to incentivize people to invest in, in women's athletics. And that's not just women, obviously. We're, we're thrilled to have women invest in women's athletics, but we'd like to think everybody's inclined to invest in women's athletics. So we're supporting that and enticing that through a, a matching program that we are hopeful people will uh, will be attracted to with time. Great. Um, so you, you look around campus, a lot of bulldozers, a lot of facility upgrades. Um, I think the number is over 100 million in capital projects underway. Can you just give a, a brief overview of, of what we have going on on the facilities front? Yeah, so this for me is um, so incredibly powerful to think that you have 
over $100 million in capital projects ongoing in an athletic department. Um, it's just, it's a testament to the institution's investment in athletics, and it's a testament to our alumni bases and our donor bases philanthropy towards what they believe is important. So it's incredible across so many fronts. And it's, it's wonderful that this $100 million is touching multiple programs. So in that, you know, you have an indoor track that obviously serves, you know, over 150 athletes across all of our track programs. Um, we have a recently completed boathouse, which is absolutely beautiful and services three varsity teams, our lightweights, our heavyweights, and our women. So again, well over probably closer to 150 athletes um, that are touched by that facility. Um, we have a football, well, really a Franklin Field complex um, that houses predominantly football, but is also providing upgrades to track and field locker rooms that will exist in that facility. In addition to creating a large kind of auditorium venue that will ideally benefit our department more broadly, um, you know, during football's off season and times where, where football is not in need of that space. So um, spaces that, you know, generally are benefiting multiple teams um, or the division more broadly. And then we, we will always have our fair share of sort of sports specific investments. And that's what you're seeing right now with baseball, with the turfing of the outfield and some adjustments to the, to the field and some, some modest amenities as far as the player experience. So, but a hundred million dollars over uh, four or five projects, not insignificant and, and excited about what that means for, for probably, you know, a third of our, you know, nearly 1000 student athletes are being impacted by this um, over $100 million worth of capital projects. So, uh, but it's just a testament. I always laugh that if I ever see buildings are not being built or renovated, I'll know the athletic department is bankrupt. Clearly that's not a problem we're doing. We're doing quite all right. <laughs> um, five new coaches since your arrival in, in 19 months, probably not exactly what you expected, but uh, through a variety of different circumstances, we've got some new folks on board. When you're conducting those searches, what what kind of characteristics are you looking for in, in the next head coach? Yeah, so this is always, um, you know, probably always the most challenging and the most important work that I feel that we do as a division. And, you know, for me, um, you know, there's a lot that's that's wrapped up first and foremost in fit. You know, ensuring that we're hiring people that understand what Penn is as an institution and what our expectations are as an athletic department. And how, in many respects, we are about the holistic development of young people. You know, it's not just becoming an expert in your particular sport, but it really is becoming, in many respects, um, you know, a better a better person and somebody who that's gonna somebody who's gonna deliver something meaningful to society upon graduation. So, you know, we tend to think about the hiring process, particularly around coaches, very holistically. So, I think fit is something I look for early and often. Um, but once you get past fit, like there is no doubt that um, the competitive success is a lot of what drives us. You know, what is our ability? Where, where does our ability lie to win? And where can we provide a compelling student athlete experience? So people who have seen competitive success, you know, I will be the first to admit that I do think, you know, prior success tends to be an indicator of future success. So um, I, I tend to be impressed by by people who have found their way to success. I also tend to be impressed by people who find their way to success at places you wouldn't expect to find success. So people who often overachieve, um, given their resource, given their institution, given their context, are always people who are compelling to me. So I would say, um, you know, there's quite a long list that follows that, but those are the two that are the highlight in my book. Yeah, and I, you know, I think we've made some great hires. 
No, super excited about those that we've we've brought on board, and I think they they very aptly describe what I just talked about. You know, the 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 prior level of competitive success, phenomenal fit for our institution, understand what we're about, and are about creating meaningful experiences that are about growing people, not just growing athletes. So we obviously continue to make such a big effort in in connecting with our campus partners um, on campus. How do you think that's going in, in your first year and a half? Yeah, this is a place where we always have opportunity just to grow. But I think based on your last question about facilities and $100 million worth of investment, as you might imagine, we spend a lot of time with our facilities and real estate colleagues. And I do think that, um, you know, better understanding their process, better understanding the resources they can provide, um, you know, building strong working relationships that's been a place of significant investment. When I think about the time on my calendar and how it's spent, I will say a high percentage of it is spent ensuring that we have strong relationships, we have deep understanding um, in the work that we're doing with our facilities and real estate partners. So that's definitely one that um, you know has been time consuming in all the right in all the right ways from day one. And you know, I think another would be you know, and this is one where we're continuing to grow. Um, you know, would be with our with our um, university life partners, and we're going through some university life transition. But I, I do like when we pull athletics and recreational opportunities closer to the experiences of our undergraduate student population, in particular, but also our graduate students as well as it pertains to recreation programming. But the more that we can become engaged um, with our university life partners, I think the better future we'll have as far as being student centered and ensuring that we're providing the right type of student experience. Um, in a holistic sense, not just athletically, but what are our student athletes experiencing as students on this campus? So I think that's important. Um, and then the last one, which again, will be incredibly important moving forward is, is our collaboration with wellness at Penn. And this is something that I, I was just really excited about upon, you know, at, at Hopkins and upon my departure from Hopkins is how do we elevate the collaboration um, with athletics and recreation and with people on campus that are focused on student and faculty and staff well-being. And I think Benoit Dubay and his team at Wellness at Penn are, are, are incredible partners currently. But as we look to onboard a new director of recreation and really elevate our collaboration across campus in the spaces of all things wellness and well-being, you know, super excited to, uh, to deepen those engagements and to, uh, to just elevate how we can be a, a proactive addition to ensuring that students feel well and well supported in their experience. So another perfect segue. It's like you almost have these questions ahead of time. Um, Imagine that. <laughs> campus rec. Uh, I, you know, I think the general fan or alumni maybe doesn't realize. You know, they think of varsity athletics and 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 um, and pen relays, but campus rec is such a big part of what we do. How do you view campus rec and and what it can do for the community? Yeah, no question. Healthy segue, because this is this is why we chose to make the investment in, you know, the elevation to a director of campus recreation and somebody who is a member of my executive team and reports to me. It is it's just such an important institutional asset and one that needs, um, you know, investment and cultivation. And for me, having somebody who wakes up every day thinking about rec living and breathing rec, being a presence in our buildings, understanding what students need, you know, that's what will, that's what it will take to elevate, not just sort of the experience in rec as it exists today, but that type of professional is also what it's going to take to build those collaborations I spoke of earlier with teams like Benoit's wellness team or with Carew at VPUL. You know, we need a professional that has 
time carved out in their day to network and relationship build so those collaborations become a reality. And I think we provide wonderful services. I think we're also doing some great work with, with marketing those services and opportunities through what Erica Hildenbrand is doing. But I think that, you know, we can, we can never do more of that. And I think as more opportunities arise, we'll need even more of a marketing arm to ensure our stories being told to students, faculty, and staff as to what, how we can bring benefit to their experience. So it's April and in, in Penn Athletics, that, that usually means a couple things, but certainly Penn Relays being a couple weeks away, certainly an event very close to your heart as the former executive director. Um, any reflections on, on last year, our first year back from the pandemic with a lot of changes and, and kind of where we're headed with Relays? I have to say the relays coming, first of all, having relays back is just heartwarming because the fact that that event did actually have to come offline, given the history of that event, was really unfortunate, but yet obviously understanding, um, understood. But it's just, um, you know, I think the relays is in a really kind of healthy evolutionary stage. I do think that we're re- thinking the relays in ways that are incredibly healthy, rethinking schedule, rethinking participation. Um, and I think it's resonated. I think it's resonated with our college participants. I think it's resonated um, with how we're trying to re-envision um, our professional athlete engagement. Um, we have some exciting new sponsors. We, you know, cross our fingers for one before weather. But I think what we're doing with the relays, and I think COVID actually gave us this opportunity it's to just really envision what we want to be moving forward as compared to being held hostage to the past. And I do think we're making some really sort of novel um, innovations as far as rethinking the event um, that makes it more meaningful and thoughtful, ideally for the next 50 years. Um, so excited and obviously excited for, uh, for, the, for what, what, will, what is less than a month away now, but, uh, but Scott Ward has done a wonderful job just um, thinking about what is the best way to evolve the relays. And I'm excited about um, where he's taking us. So speaking of evolution, you can't read a story about college athletics these days without hearing about name image likeness. Um, how are Penn student athletes using name image likeness and, and what's our role in, in educating them in that space? Yeah, so this is, you know, obviously a concept and an opportunity that I think is really, um, it, it is a compelling one. And it is one that I think if students are inclined to take advantage and do the work necessarily, necessary to land a compelling NIL deal, they have that opportunity. And that's where we focus um, our support. And I think a lot of our focus at this point really is educational. Like, how do you think about your brand? How do you think about you know, becoming or enhancing your influencer status? And what about you is gonna be appealing to different companies within different marketplaces? So, um, you know, it's it's something that I, I'm, I'm thankful that the Ivy League has supported, that they're interested in ensuring that we have this opportunity, assuming we do it the right way. Our focus really is ensuring that our student athletes are educated and have the tools and the resources to maximize this opportunity, assuming they're inclined to take advantage of it. So we do see um, a high percentage of our athletes engaged. Um, you know, a much smaller percentage is engaged at a, at a higher dollar value NIL kind of um, consideration, but many are engaged with, um, with products and, and brands that, that excite them and they see personal value in and they're excited to support publicly, whether that's through social media or a, an autograph appearance or, um, you know, other opportunities that, that make sense for, for college athletes these days. But I think it's a space that will continue to evolve. It's a space that will continue to grow. 
you know, I, I still think that, uh, you know, everything that is wonderful about NIL is still a compliment to receiving an Ivy League education at the University of Pennsylvania and the benefit that that provides you for ideally, you know, the next 40 years after your four here. So I do think we have to think about it in the context of the education that we provide and ensure that we're managing it appropriately, but giving our student athletes all the tools they need to be successful in the space. So two of our signature programs that we haven't talked about yet, the Penn Athletics Wharton Leadership Academy and Young Quakers. Um, what kind of impact do you think they're making on both our student athletes and also the local community? Yeah, so, you know, much like our earlier conversation around nutrition and mental health, like these two get me just as excited as far as, um, you know, building better people about thinking about things that, that you know, take us slightly outside of the context of the, the court or the field or the pool. And, you know, with the Penn Athletics Wharton Leadership Academy, we have wonderful partners um, at the McNulty Center at Wharton and people who are incredibly invested in overlaying a leadership skill set on top of an individual, i.e. the student athlete, who has a really compelling skill set to begin with. You know, they're clearly performing in the classroom. You know, most are, you know, as college athletes, they, they've, they've had a level of success by definition, you know, regardless of their team's wins and loss records. But we really do think that this, this kind of leadership concept and skill set, it's really important for their future. And in many respects, not just their future, but the future of our country, the future, you know, of the world, just in enabling them to deliver something meaningful, um, you know, beyond themselves as far as being a compelling leader. And um, again, whether that's regardless of the context in which you lead, I, I feel, you know, we have some level of obligation. And that's why this program, we're hoping to transition it to um, a first year experience that's that's required so that all of our student athletes have some level of exposure to leadership. And they're more than happy to sort of opt out after that first year. And that first year won't be overly intensive. We know that obviously our student athletes have a lot on their plates, but we do think it's that important. And I personally feel it's that important. And I think we have a lot of people within our community that see the value of why this experience um, makes sense. So that's that's a wonderful one. And and Young Wakers Community Athletics, this is something I was passionate about in my first, uh, first stint at Penn and, you know, was something that I helped get off the ground. And it's just I love everything about it. I love, you know, the service it delivers to our university assisted schools and our middle school youth in West Philadelphia. I think it's just giving them an opportunity to engage with, with college students and to aspire to something that looks like our college students' experiences and to be in contact consistently. You know, this program is intensive in that it's it's a daily program. It's not a check the box once a year you go and mentor students in, in West Philadelphia. This is a true relationship building experience for our young Quakers and what we call our big Quakers, our student athletes. So, you know, love what it what it what it what it provides to our West Philadelphia middle schoolers, but just also for our student athletes, many of whom don't have exposure to uh, you know to urban environments and the challenges in many urban environments. For so for them, it's a really meaningful education about the fact that the world's not perfect and it is their responsibility in many respects to, to try to change that and the more that we can have student athletes that have that become change agents uh, within urban contexts that really need their help and leadership I think that's a really powerful message so just love both of those programs and you know hope to be supportive of them until the end of time Diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, um, certainly a priority for you what steps have we made as a division and uh, and where do you think we're headed? So this has been, um, so this was fabulous because in coming back to Penn, like I inherited a community that was incredibly passionate about making progress here and a community that had done significant work um, 
you know, coming out of, you know, really during COVID coming out of George Floyd. I mean, it was just a community that stepped in and stepped up. Um, you know, we had, we put the Quaker forward committee in, in, into place. You know, we had people across the department, both student athletes and staff that were invested. And that was, it was wonderful to inherit that and inherit that momentum and, and people that were just um, all about uh, making progress. And I think what we felt over the course of the next year or so is just, you know, how do we, how do we meaningfully, you know, implement change? And I think we've gone through kind of multiple iterations of, is it committee work? Is it, is it work that's imbued across the entire division? Is it the responsibility of, you know, leadership level staff? Is it the responsibility of our supervisors? And I think what we've learned, and, you know, it's something that we've known all along, it, it is everybody's responsibility. But I think where we've evolved, um, thankfully, with the support of the provost's office and in partnership with Wellness at Penn, we've evolved to a point where we will look to onboard um, a DEIB professional to help lead our efforts. Because I think what we find is we need a consistent leadership presence that helps to keep us organized and focused on the really important goals that we've set for ourselves but really somebody much like I was chatting about the recreation director that wakes up every day focused on how do we advance recreation? How do we move the needle? How do we implement change? Um, we're looking forward to that in the same respect. Um, but in this space, one thing that worries me is that once you hire somebody who is responsible for taking ownership of this space, I don't want everybody else to say, well, that's not my job anymore. We now have a director of D&I and I, I just... So for me, ensuring that our community understands that this will continue to be everybody's responsibility once we hire and onboard this professional, um, that's what will be most important as we take this meaningful step forward. And I'm hopeful that um, you know, we can implement even more of our ambitious plans with this leadership in place, but, uh, but I, no, I in no way, shape or form want to step back from this feeling like a shared commitment kind of to advancing um, diversity, equity and inclusion challenges. Great. So we covered a lot of topics there in, in our time together. Any any closing thoughts from, from your seat at the table? <laughs> no, I think I'm I'm uh, appropriately exhausted, Kevin. I think we've I think we've gotten through it all. But no, I think it's, you know, it's um it's it's been fantastic. It's been an an amazing journey. And I think there's just there's so much that I continue to look forward to. There's so much that I'm excited about moving forward. Um, I see so much progress. I see just a lot of appreciation and gratitude coming from our student athletes with respect to how we're trying to advance their experience. So uh, I think I'll, I'll just close by saying really excited about, about what comes next. Great. Well, I think that was a wonderful conversation. I hope our listeners enjoyed the first podcast. We'll have more of these down the road. And thanks for your time. And thanks, everybody, for listening.